How about that music opening, huh? That sounds good. I was like, where's yeah, welcome our Welcome to Conversations with Bob and Sherry. Hi, Hi. Sherry. Hi, did we start it? <laughs> yes, we're, we're, we're doing it. Yeah, I was looking at for the countdown. Well, that was great. Well, hi, You're Bob. Long time there. no see. So uh, before we get into the topics, I want to say that uh, that was really a great party last night. The first annual multi, uh, Mostly Politics New Year party. Is that New what you call party. it? Yeah. And Sherry did a great job of everything. You did it all. Hosting, food. Um, you kept people engaged, you know, entertainment. Um, I, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. It wasn't one of these, you just show up and eat and drink and mingle. You know, you had those activities, the trivia and things, really to get people to kind of, you know, bond together. And it, it was really cool, really good. Yeah, I love the trivias. It was fun. The trivia was fun. And I think next year we've got to get a bigger uh, championship cup. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sean we, uh, Jones we wanna, won all the trophies. <laughs> yeah. We want to thank everybody for coming, of course. That was a good time. Um, I love entertaining. I love making great food. And uh, so it was a good time. The music was you great. You know what? We're a good fit because I love being entertained and served great food. So <laughs> There you go. <laughs> and, hey, I want to thank you and your wife for giving me this beautiful Christmas gift. The mostly politics uh, tumbler. The tumbler was used a lot last night, so this is why I have a little bit of a rough morning. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's Do you want to start? Let's talk about the Corvette in the garage. <laughs> Let's start with uh, – so you did some research on the presidential – Yes. Okay. Uh, presidential Records Act, the PRA. So it was it was put into place after Nixon, and um, the, the, because before that – the records of the president were considered private property because of all the, you know, Nixon scandal. The public wanted those records and he wanted to keep them and destroy them. So that's where the act came from. So the act requires every president to keep certain records. So it, it tells you what records have to be kept. And then when the president leaves office, they're to hand these over to the National Archives. And there's a, a, a person, an archivist, assigned to that project um, to receive all of those documents. They, they ultimately end up in the presidential library. So, I, and I learned this recently, the presidential libraries are built with private money, foundation money, but once they're finished, they're given donated essentially to the federal government so that's why the national archives i guess takes control of them and then they put those documents in there so that's the thing and we all know that uh trump received tons and tons of bad press for vile you know putting secrets of country at risk national security you know all this stuff and uh it was funny when they found documents in biden's office and home and uh you know the press kind of flipped it was oh well they you know it's a small number you know makes when you read their uh, uh articles it always says it's a small number you know and then they, there's a bunch of people reporting why trump's is really bad and biden's is not i think the um here's the distinction right between the the document trump has and and, and what biden has number one the national archive have staff they were the people that packed all the documents and they were the one sent into mar-a-lago and then i believe the trump people and the national archive and 
um, the you know people that would classify clearance has been the one that going through those documents, and then they were deciding what to take back, what Trump can keep, and it was in a room in Mar-a-Lago, padlocked mm-hmm. uh, by the direction of net people from National Archive, and uh, you know I believe some people from the FBI, and so my understanding is they were working back and forth. On those documents, and they know exactly where those were stored, based on are, their instruction. Are you certain about the National Archives delivering them to Mar-a-Lago? Because I couldn't find that anywhere. Yeah, I I heard it on one of the news channels, the one of okay. the mainstream news channels. That was the whole chain of custody. Because right. another important thing about these documents is the chain of custody. Who has yep. touched these documents and have access to them? So maybe I mean, here's what I heard is that uh, so, you know, the National Archives received their documents and they contacted Trump to say there were about two dozen boxes missing that they, you know, he needed to hand over two dozen more boxes. So, you know, I was not clear to me how they knew how many boxes there should be. But like I said, I couldn't find anything that said that they they packaged it. I'm sure they knew because. How do you know there's two dozen boxes missing if you have no record of knowing what was what went what, what right. left what was gone? And so Trump left office in 2017, January 2017, and this has been 2020, 2020, 2021 that he left. Right, office. 21. So is we are at two year 20. mark. The difference is who packaged who? How did Vice President Biden at the time? had those classified documents they it the news the drip 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 doesn't make it sound good because they're all over they it just seems like they're over the house right um the at the oh, yeah. biden center and the penn biden center it was actually locked in the closet mm-hmm. but then there were they found three separate times they found documents in biden's house mm-hmm. and i believe the in the garage next to the Corvette, I believe they said it was one piece of paper. I mean, what are they doing with these things? It sounds I, I like my know. son's math homework, you know. There's one in the kitchen, there's one in the garage. Well, my my question so first of all, I don't know if everyone realizes, but the first documents at the center they were discovered November 2nd. So they were discovered about a week before the midterm elections. Yes. And the ones in the garage were discovered in December. We're just now hearing about it. And then they have more documents discovered the last few days, right? Oh, they have they? In the library, yeah. Another five pieces of paper from somewhere else. Another well, part of his house. You know, I, I have you been able to find anywhere why these attorneys were going through all his papers? We don't know. We don't know why. I mean, they said, well, he's moving out of that. He was moving out of that office. Oh, okay. But that doesn't explain why they were searching the garage. And and just because he was moving, why do his attorneys have to go through all of his documents? I mean, did he suspect or did he know that he had some things he shouldn't have had? And, you know, he was trying to, you know, cover them up and get clean. I, I, I don't understand why it's necessary for the, you know, attorneys to go through all and this. why is it now it's yeah. been there for six years mm-hmm. why did they just report it on this now now it, the mainstream media is reporting on this now too it almost feels like 
the media and the democratic puppet masters behind the scenes are doing something they want to get rid of him they don't mean they don't want him to run for president yeah. um because should couldn't they just burn the documents and yeah, now I mean, that it comes out well, I think burning them's a a bigger crime. Now, you know what what's interest I found interesting is the the penalty for violating the Presidential Records Act is 3 years in jail. So maximum 3 years in jail. Which doesn't sound like that much if it's sort of a treasonous, you know, this national security thing, 3 years in jail. I I, I think that they ex- don't expect any presidents to violate this. It seems like everybody goes along with it. Um, I'm not sure that Trump did. I mean, they, they they said they asked him for the two dozen. He gave them 15. They wanted the rest of them. And he he would refused. And that was when the, the National Archives went to the Justice Department and asked them to get involved. It, wouldn't it be interesting that um, maybe some of the Trump's document has something to do with the document that Biden has? Oh. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. That's be- a great question. Yeah. Maybe Trump wanted to keep those documents for a particular reason. Well, and you know, if you re- if you want to go full blown conspiracy, <laughs> what if he was trying to hide proof that he, you know, of his involvement in all the Hunter laptop stuff? Yeah, but it's already in the Hunter laptop. So, I mean, would it, it would be kind of interesting if those documents kind of, co- you know, have something to do with each right. other. Right. I mean, what if the attorneys were going through all the files to find anything that might connect him to these shady deals and destroy it? That's our own. That's our. Let's put our little tinfoil hat on. <laughs> um, but well, yeah, I, I just found it interesting it, because Trump refused to give those statements, and because Trump is was the president. So right. he has all the power to declassify or classify however he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So if he decides to declassify those documents, nobody has anything to say about it. Another interesting thing is, even though Biden was vice president at the time he took those documents, which still we don't know the chain of custody. We don't know who come in contact with those documents. And then supposedly Hunter Biden, that was the Delaware address is Hunter, you know, where Hunter Biden lived for several years. And nobody knows who came in and out of the house, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's just so funny to me. This one page is wind up in the garage. There's five pages somewhere else. Yeah. Um, uh, and these are supposed uh, to be top secret documents. Another question is, and I think a lot of people are asking, is that, the lawyers, the, the attorneys for Biden, do they have national security clearance? I don't know. To, to see don't know. To even come in contact with these documents. Mm-hmm. Um, one little mention the news channel, major, major news channel, they're saying how Biden was collecting $800,000 from the University of Pittsburgh, the University of Pennsylvania. Okay. Where the Penn Center, Biden Penn Center, and China donated, anonymous Chinese donor donated $40 million. And not only Biden was making money out of University of Pennsylvania for doing absolutely nothing, hmm. and so as his Secretary of State. So I don't know who that was, but that's what was reported. Um, okay. But then Biden says, well, I don't know what those documents are. My attorney taught me not to ask about it. Well, he's the president of the United States now. He has all the power to declassify those documents. He has all the power to see them. 
His attorney doesn't have the power he has. So mm-hmm. why would you be as a president of the United States says, well, I'm not going to, I don't even want to know what those documents are. Could he retroactively declassify them? You know, I mean, it, it seems shady that he could to say, I, I, you know, there's another interesting twist that, um, you know, the law exists and, but presidents are, have been doing executive orders to change how the laws applied the PRA. Right. And George W. Bush, his executive order said that the PRA applies to the vice president as well. Obama reversed that. So when Obama came into office, kind of like, you know, I, I, if I remember correctly, the attitude was sort of throw out all of the Bush, you know, executive orders. But he reversed that so that the PRA did not apply to the vice president under his administration. Maybe Obama doesn't trust Biden. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I think, know if that's good or bad. I mean, if if it didn't apply, is it worse for him to have documents if it's he's not even under that, or is it better? I you know I don't know. I think the presidential records that it's actually giving the president a lot of leniency for the documents. Yeah. Oh yeah, but well, I, I mean, the U.S. government does not want to be arresting and trying presidents. I mean, it's just a bad look around the world and. You know, that whole thing. So, I mean, you know, in a way, Trump's his own worst enemy, though, too. I mean, Biden, when she saw Biden, he handled it like a politician. He said, we're cooperating fully. We're cooperating fully. And, um, you know, Trump never said that. Trump was like, you know, they're out to get me and, you know, not giving them anything, that kind of thing. Well, um, Trump Trump is not a lifetime politician, so he... You know, he was the boss. So Obama actually famously said, um, you know, don't underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. (laughs) Okay. So if Obama decides that he doesn't want to take the economy. Yeah. Well, Joe Biden was wrong in all the foreign policy decisions. If up to Joe Biden, we would have never had killed bin Laden. Right. Because Joe Biden is the one to Obama not to do, and Obama ignore his advice, and thank God he did. Yeah. So Obama, so Obama is a, you know, I give him, whether you like him as a president or not, he was a very smooth politician. He was a smart guy. Yeah. But if, if Joe Biden's press boss saying don't underestimate the ability for Joe to f things up, then I can understand why he would take that away from Joe, the PRA. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's good or bad if it's like, I mean, so the PRA, I I don't know. I mean, it it governs how the records are handled. So in that sense, maybe it's better it didn't apply to him. But you could also say then he had no business even having documents. So I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, George Bush had a George Bush had a very, very, um, again, bad or good. He he was a very capable pre- vice president. He has Cheney, Cheney. So Cheney mm-hmm. actually was more of a partnership, and I don't think Biden was like that to yeah. Obama. We oh, just, yeah. of course, we don't know what actually goes on, but you know, but it's just it's just so funny that how this all backfired, the classified document situation, mm-hmm. and all, <laughs> and um. Who comes up with this saying, oh, we found a classified document 
in the garage, but it's actually one piece of paper. And but at least made the Corvette Stinger famous. I believe. Right. You got to wonder how much those cars are going for now after this. You know, that was Joe going off script. That you know, before that, he was reading a statement. And he went off script and said, well, my Corvette's in there. <laughs> it's not like it's out in the street. Well, right. I mean, Mar-a-Lago. Have you ever seen Mar-a-Lago? I mean, there's a gate. You can't, I mean, you know, Mar-a-Lago is pretty secure. <laughs> right. It's a private club. So only members trying to get in there. <laughs> Hunter's not allowed in. And didn't Trump okay. kicked out Jeffrey Epstein? I think. Yes. Yeah, he kicked because out because he was it had saying inappropriate things to one of the other members' daughter, like sixteen yes. year old girl. Yep. So he kicked them out. So yeah, yeah, and you know, of course, nobody want to talk about that. No. So, um, well, here's a, some interesting news that in the news we don't know people are catching up. Which one do you want to start? Do you want to start from the reparation, Whatever. the COVID, uh, over whichever one you would like to talk about. Let's talk about the San Francisco Reparation um, okay. Committee. Yeah, give us give me the, give us the lowdown on that because I'm not. Uh, okay, so apparently one. San Francisco, the city of San Francisco has a reparations committee. Okay. And so when you have a committee that that's on reparation, of course they're going to be proposing things. Mm-hmm. So apparently they are proposing paying each black longtime residents $5 million and granting total debt forgiveness due to the decades of system, system, systematic repression Democracy. faced by the local black community. And we know California, a couple of shows ago, we talked about California wants to pay the California black residents $350,000. Okay. So San Francisco is going a step for, further is a lump sum payment of $5 million Per person. Per person. Here's the criteria. to be. This is what you have to do to be eligible to the program. Okay. Number one, the applicant must be 18 years and older and have identified, not, not born as, but as long as you have identified as a black or African-American on public documents for at least 10 years. That's one of the criteria. Okay. 18 years older, number two, have to be identified as black or African-American for 10 years. You must prove at least two of the eight additional eligible criteria, which some of them include you have to be born in San Francisco between 1940 and 1996. Mm-hmm. You have to have a proof of residency in San Francisco for at least 13 years. Mm-hmm. or personally or direct descendant of someone incarcerated by the failed war on drugs. Hmm. Well, so, so what's the price tag on this? How much, you know, you know, where's the city of San Francisco supposed to get all this money? Yeah, and here's another thing, and, and this is a further one. The plan also causing the city to supplement lower income recipients' income to reflect the area medium income about $97,000 annually for okay. at least 250 years. So this is in addition to pay the, um, the, the, 
the longtime black resident that was born from 1940 to 1996. So if you're born 1997, you're out of luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but if you are a supplement lower income recipient, now they want to raise it up to 97,000 for at least 250 years. Now we don't know what criteria you have to do for that. Um, and then this is what it says, a black household are more likely to hold costlier, riskier debt and more likely to have outstanding student loan debt. When this is combined with lower household income, it can create an inescapable cycle of debt. Eliminating this debt gives black household an opportunity to build wealth. Um, the African-American Reparation Advisory Committee has not yet received any feedback from the board regarding their position on the recommendations of when the board was scheduled hearing formally discussed the plan. So I don't know where this is going and whether it's going to pass no or way. not, but by putting it out there, you are giving people expectation. Well, sure. now the, yeah, if, if people are receiving less than what this proposal does, if they're not receiving at all, if this plan doesn't pass, it just creates more divisiveness. I mean, I can't believe anybody really thinks that it's practical that it could ever happen that they would give $5 million to every black person over 18 in San Francisco. I mean. 1940 <laughs> to 1996 birth. So, individually. I, so, I, uh, it seems to me it's just for show. Or it's, you know, like a Trump ask for something really, really big and get something smaller. But like you said, it came from a, what, a commission or a committee. A reparation committee. Yeah, so they're going to recommend reparations. Look, we're doing a great job here. We're, we want $5 million for everybody. <laughs> right. We're doing a good job. I wonder how they come up with that number. I don't know. And then I mean, the $5 million, where's the $5 million come from? And don't mm-hmm. forget, out of the $5 million they receive, Half of it, 65% of it going to be gone, right? Because mm-hmm. you have to pay 39% federal income tax if your income exceeds a certain amount. Is this $5 million tax-free? Or how does that work? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, giving people money, I mean, I don't think this is ever going to happen, but let's talk hypothetically. I mean, you know, one of the things in the NFL is when rookies come in, they go through some speeches training from some of the older players to caution them on managing the money you know mm-hmm. how to deal with family how to make sure and you know because it's very common for them to just squander you know millions and millions of dollars and you know there that's also reportedly what happens with a, a large number of uh, lottery winners yes so just giving people money doesn't really fix anything and you know, if you were to look at all the problems in the black community, I mean, if it's poverty, crime, I mean, you could you can work on those. I mean, why doesn't the city Education. work on, you know, reducing crime? why don't they work on more public transportation, more, you know, more services to help people get jobs and things like that? Why? Why doesn't that exist in, in the, you know, the poor black neighborhoods? I mean. I just feel like this is all just for show. 
They're well, not going to solve anything. Uh, yeah, there's, there's another thing. I don't know. So lately, there was a couple weeks ago or a couple days ago, somebody won $1.3 billion in lottery. And they say if you take a lump sum payment, you actually went up with three hundred some million dollars. After, oh. if you take a lump sum payment, you get half, and then you have to pay your federal tax, local tax. By the time it's mm-hmm. all said and done, you clear three hundred some million dollars. I believe, with- I believe the federal tax on lottery winnings is capped at like no more than thirty percent. It might even be less. It might be twenty eight percent. But if you were to, uh earn actually earn that money yourself it would be 50 percent plus to the federal government alone so that's what i'm saying for five lottery winnings they have a lower bracket so at this five million dollars if like hypothet- hypothetically if they receive mm-hmm. a lump sum of five million are these people going to be under have an understanding is it's not five million because you have to pay income tax? You right. have to, you well, know, has a 12 or 10 or 12 percent income tax. You have to put by local, so you essentially yeah. you make half of that money. So, are, are people going to understand that? And the 97,000 mm-hmm. they propose annually again, it's not 97,000 taxes are going to be taking out of it. And how are you going to give this lump sum of money to someone who has never managed money before? Right. And, you know, and, and talk about money. I wanted to just d- talk about people mismanage money, okay? Here, recently, a very sad news, Lisa Marie Presley passed away at 54 mm-hmm. years old. So apparently she inherited $100 million at 25 years old. Okay. That money was gone. Really? Yes. She inherited $100 million at 25. This is a clear example when someone is giving a ton of money, uh, it disappeared. So right. inherited $100 million in 1993 on her 25th birthday. But it said it had almost entirely dispe- disappeared thanks mm. to mismanagement and bad investment. And in 2021, her ex-husband wanted to, um, you know, undo their prenup agreement and ask $4,600 a month on child support. And I understand her monthly expenditure is $97,000, Lisa Marie Presley. Wow, a million dollars a year. Yes. Well, if she would have managed her money well... Mm-hmm. You know, having a million dollar a year expenditure is probably right. not a big deal. No. But you give a hundred million dollars to a twenty-five year old. What's that? Well, I mean, a diversified portfolio, she could have gotten that million way, you know, plus, and that hundred would keep growing, and she could live on a million a year if she wanted. But if yeah. she would inherit a hundred million, it just put it in the fixed interest savings account collect the interest you have a million a year <laughs> so um that that's what i'm saying is like just by handing these people money and not right. have the give them the, the background how to manage is essentially it's sometimes could be a problem you know mm-hmm. could be a hinder so you know i was talking to a gentleman last night he's an african african american recent convert to a Republican. 
And, you know, he was, I was, I asked him why, why did you switch parties? And that launched into a conversation. And one of the things that kind of came out between us is, uh, you know, the Democrat party is very good at, we feel your pain. Remember, uh, Bill Clinton, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. And by that, meaning, you know, they're great at talking about. So if they talk about the problems of racism and they talk about the problems of poverty and they talk, so if they talk about all these problems, people feel like, OK, they're you know, they feel our pain. They empathize with us. They're going to but they never do anything about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a lot of cases, maybe they want to, but, you know, their way of approaching problems is not going to solve it. Right. So, I mean, I think this, I, I really don't think this is ever going to happen, that it was, it, I don't, I don't know why they did it, you know, just for show, but it's a lot of lip service. another like, example, let's make promises and then not do it. Right. It, it, you know, this, this person, I don't, I don't, you know, we don't talk anymore. Um, I remember we were, we were great friends for many, many years. And I remember when I came out and told her I voted for Trump in 2016. And because over the years, you know, my political standing, I don't go by the party. I pretty much go by the person. Mm-hmm. And it, she came out and to, she happened to say to me, but first she was shocked. <clears throat> and then it's almost like she looked at me like, I don't know any better because I'm an immigrant. How can you, as an immigrant, a, Ch- a Chinese, and a woman, vote for this person? And you must not know better. Let me let me well, save you. Was she a was she a Democrat? Was yes, she sort of liberal? Yes, let me save and, you. And um, you know, and, and how I they think, turn on you. <laughs> and, and I think about um, you know, and she also over the years gave me a lot of uh, unsolicited advice on different things. Okay. And it almost was it condescending. Me, I mean, you're, you feel condescending through. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I think after we don't talk anymore, I look back on all the things I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you're born and raised in a country that provided you with everything. And here I was born homeless, struggled. And, you know, my family work our way up to come to this country. If anything, I don't need to be saved. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't need a savior. Yeah, you've proven, you know, self-sufficiency. So We've proven ourselves. And then that's what most immigrants, you know, have done. But a lot of times people look at immigrants and go, well, let me save you. Let me save you. No, I mean, immigrants has lived, gone through so many challenges, way more than the, pe- than the people that's born and raised in this country mm-hmm. will ever understand. But there's always this, you know, for lack of back, we're a white nice syndrome but i don't think the republican party have that i mean republican mm-hmm. party maybe they're not sympathetic but the 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 construct is believing everyone individual you have your freedom you can make a right. choice and um i mean and, and it's a philo- <laughs> philosophical thing i think the republican party looks at it as it's not the government's job to meddle in you know all these social issues you know treat everybody fairly lower taxes try to build a stronger economy everybody benefits but you know we don't meddle in people's lives i mean that's right. kind of the philosophy and, it's like a running know, a race everybody starts at the same point right yeah. and then whoever run faster that that will win and and then um speaking of which yeah speaking of which go ahead what's going on in virginia what is going on in Virginia? 
Uh, well, apparently, and then you did some of these. Uh, you did some of this too, right? Yes. Apparently, um, the Virginia school district is under investigation for allegedly violation human rights act, and this is a this is what's posted on the CNN website. Um, so, it's, Bob, tell us a little bit about Fairfax that. County, by the way. Yeah, Fairfax County, which you know, this is related to education. This is why they have a, a Republican governor, and the governor is ordering an investigation into this. So, Bob, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that. Well, it, it it started with at Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. Um, and then once they the attorney general uh, looked into it, they expanded it to the entire Fairfax County um, schools. But basically what it is, the uh, students in Thomas Jefferson High School, uh, where they the Merit, National Merit Scholarship Honors, um, weren't given out in time. It's like they were withheld from the students. And the student population in this school is mostly Asian, is, is it not? So, you know, they're looking at it as a um, discrimination thing against, you know, the Asian students. And what I found interesting was I read the initial article you sent me with CNN, and I actually read the CNN, but I, I you know, it was talking about it. I felt like it really wasn't going to the problem. Like, I felt like while I was reading this, I'm like, I, this doesn't really tell me what, what's really going on. What's the problem? So I, I found the attorney general's statement, and there's a par- they did quote the attorney general. They quoted this statement or press release, but not this paragraph. And to me, this paragraph explains clearly what the attorney general's doing. I'll read it. No student should be treated differently because of their race. Okay, makes sense. Students at Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology are amongst the brightest in the nation, yet some have been punished in the name of equity. Racism and race-based government decision-making in any form is wrong and unlawful under Virginia's Human Rights Act. The controversial admissions policies at the school, which have significantly decreased the amount of Asian American students enrolled in these recent years, is another example of students being treated differently because of their ethnicity. And he says his Office of Civil Rights will investigate any potential violations of the law and vindicate the civil rights of these students and their families. I mean, that's clear to me where he's coming from, but I, I don't, I don't know why CNN didn't explain that. Well, I think the Asian student has been punished for being um, ac- academically excel for many, many years in this right. country. Um, it's just like the, uh, you know, the 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 black student want to participate in football program or basketball program or whether it's a Caucasian student want to be in soccer and golf and mm-hmm. the Asian family is very strong on education. So you will see a lot of Asian kids participating in science and technology, right. um, English and math, math, math club. There's no different with that. And yes, I believe this is unfair because I believe this is purposely withheld till after the college application goes in. And these are, these awards will help these kids to get into right. college. The Asian student students have been discriminated against by the elite colleges mm-hmm. for being 
academically successful. Right. So because they're saying too many Asian students in my college is not diversified enough. Mm-hmm. But if if somebody go to math school, you want to look at their ability to practice medicine. You're not looking the colors of the people's skin or the race of their skin, right. and, and you know the the their race or culture background. You want to know if they're capable enough to handle the job they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is absolutely to me is infuriating because as an Asian mother. As a Chinese mother, and I know a lot of Asian parents, we thrive on our kids getting academically successful and achieved. There's no different than um, if someone will get a football scholarship or be excel in golf or great at soccer. We are happy if my kids is the top of the math club or the science affair. You know what I mean? Right. So this is extremely infuriating to me. This should be investigated, and hard work should. Not be punished. Essentially,、mm-hmm. the Asian kids are being punished for working hard and making the sacrifices for、right. years and years and years to become academically successful. Well, and and I want people to really respect where you're coming from because you know some months ago you had a, a you know a group of you know I guess they were all Chinese or other Asian countries meet with you know one of the local politicians just a chance to say this is what we care about. Yes. And if I'm if I, if I'm right, you tell me I wasn't there. But they didn't ask for anything. It sounds like they didn't ask for anything. They just complained about the schools. They just said, "Stop screwing up the schools. You know, stop all this equity stuff. You're hurting our kids." Yes. I mean, that's all that it, it just sounded like. They they didn't want anything. Just they just said, "Stop screwing everything up in the school." And years and years ago, when I first came to Pittsburgh to attend University of Pittsburgh, and I asked my school counseling, I said, "Well." I see all these scholarship programs, but none of them are geared towards Asian student or even just academic type of scholarship program.、Right. And they said, "Well, if we offer that, all the Asian kids would take the program." And、mm-hmm. then years ago, there was a Indian, a kid from India, East India, and th- he said he put on his college application. He put he identified himself as a Black American、mm-hmm. because he feels if he would say he's from East India, he will not、right. be admitted to college. No,、uh, and you know, you know the mind. You know, I I tend to look at where's this coming from. You know, some things you can't figure out, but this one, I I know what their belief system is. I know where it's coming from, and it's you know, it's a it's it's on the left now. It's in our schools, but you know, equality is pretty cut and dried, right? It's what this、uh, attorney general said in the paper. You can't treat people differently because of their race. Period. That's or their ethnicity, so that's equality. That's that's the basis of this country. That's our,、uh, you know, bill of rights. Everything in this country is built on individual rights and equality for all. So now the left influence comes along and says, "Well, equality is no good. It's e- equity, and equity it guarantees equal outcomes." And now that may sound nice to some people, but how do you go about that? And There's no way to guarantee equal outcomes without making people unequal in the beginning. So,、yes. in other words, basically make it harder for the Asian Americans to to move ahead, so that other people can move ahead of them.、Um, and 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 they they rationalize this by saying those kids 
are only smarter, they're only doing better because of some beneficial privilege they have in society. So nobody earned anything. It's not because their parents were hard, you know, uh, insistent and involved in their education. It's not because of the way they're raised or the culture that they came from. It's because they have an unfair advantage. If the, if the society was fair, everybody would be equal on the outcome. It, there would be. That's what they believe. I mean, it's, it's not correct. I, I, mean, I tell you what the privilege is. Um, when my son was in kindergarten, I make sure he does four pages of homework a day. I have to give it to the teacher to tell right. the teacher to give it to him to do it. He refused. There were times it was spent eight hours. So here's the privilege if you want your kids to excel. Start mm -hmm. them early. Sit with them. Sometimes it would take hours. You will have to give up your personal time. You have to give up going out to eat. You have to go mm -hmm. out to go have happy hours with your girlfriend. You sit there and do homework with your four, five, six-year-old kid. And then that's how they excel in school. So this is the, this is the privilege they had, right? They right. had parents that care about their academic achievement. There's no different with the parents that sacrifice their weekends, driving their kids to kingdom come to participate in a sports program, mm -hmm. okay? So those parents that was diligent and participating, now are you telling me, um, the what are the tennis sisters? Um, what are the, the, oh my God, the, 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 the tennis, the two sisters that's great at tennis? I'm not sure. Two sisters that what? Two graded... sisters that are great at tennis. Um, oh, great attendance in school? No, tennis. Oh, tennis. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. The um, um, Williams sisters. The Williams sisters. Serena okay. and Venus. Are you telling me they're right. privileged <laughs> because they're tennis or because his their father has made them sacrifice so much so right. they can become who they become? Are you That's telling right. me LeBron James is privileged because he's making a ton of money in basketball? Is Tiger Wood is he privileged See, when he's you're, you're applying logic though, you know? Yeah, you're, it's you're like, looking it's, at accurate history, accurate logic. Go ahead. I'm with Yeah, I mean Tiger Wood's father make him start doing golf at five years old. You don't right. think he wants to go to a playground, just play? Mm -hmm. I mean, so are they privileged? Clearly they are, because if not I think there should be a ton of Asian player in the NBA. How right. many Chinese Asian basketball player in the NBA? I think they are grossly underrepresented. Well, white grossly. people in football, I mean. Right. I think we should throw a bunch of Asian. 17% of the player in NFL right. and NBA should be Asians, regardless they're good or not. See, that's the problem with all this identity. You know, it's all relative. It's all relative. I mean, so we just applied the same philosophy, and they, they would say, well, no, no, that's not right because of this, this, and that. But it actually is the same logic. Um, right. You know, but, so it just, I, I accept. So I accept that certain kids are disadvantaged. Okay, I accept that, you know, Absolutely. based on where you were born, where you grew up, the, you know, the, how much money your parents made, the neighborhood you lived in, you know, kids have, you know, are, there are disadvantaged kids. To me, the way you help them is you lift them up. 
You know, that you you provide all the services, the assistance, find the kids that are going to do well in school, help them, you know, get paid, that kind of thing. So, you know, that I think is fine. But there's no way this equity thing always ends up taking the people that are doing well and knocking them down. And that's just going to tear apart. That's why the, the whole, you know, Marxist, socialist, you know, societies never worked. You know, well, I didn't say Oprah. They go, why should I try? Why should, why yeah. should I even try? Why should I be hard on my kids if they're going to hit a roadblock because they're doing a good job? So if and there's no purpose for doing a good back. job, then nobody does a good job. Right. Well, you know, Oprah was was very disadvantaged. Oprah had a very tough upbringing. Right. Uh, Kevin Hart, which is a very highly earning comedian, she he came from a very humble mm -hmm. beginning very locally jerome bettis mm -hmm. you know the and the the star player of the pittsburgh steelers he was disadvantaged but right. these people excelled in their you know profession and um they didn't have anybody you know they basically were taught hard work and they were hardworking people themselves and i mean i can name probably a hundreds of thousands of people they were born mm -hmm. disadvantaged in Excel. Obama, he was disadvantaged. So, right. I mean, he became the president of the United States. I don't know. It's very well, frustrating. I mean, there's, one, I, there's one example I like to use. It's uh, the Americans for Disabilities Act. So, you know, if you, if you have a business and, you know, you have to do renovations or any kind of work, you have to make your bathrooms meet the Americans for Disability Act. If you build a sidewalk, it has to have those sort of rumble right. dots on it, you know, for and that that forces, you know, those business owners to spend more money. OK, that to me is a, a is a good application of equity, though. So because the sacrifice, if you will, on the part of the other people is really small compared to the benefit you're giving, you know, the disabled people. So we can argue whether it's good or bad, but I think it's actually a good, you know, application of it. But equality is foundational. Equity is not. You never violate, you know, freedom, equality, individual right. You never violate that. So now if you want to bring in and say we're going to strive for some equity, I say, okay, go for it if you want to. But you cannot violate the principles of equality and individual rights. Those are foundational. They don't change. And, you know, so then find ways to, you know, even the outcome, even the playing field without violating the rights and freedoms of the other people. That's what right. you have to do. And there are ways you can do that. Well, talk about equity. Um, see, that, I'm on a little rant, but see, that's where my belief is. The goal of this stuff, the goal of this left wing ideology is not to build a better society. It's to tear down the one that we have. That's, I mean, this is all destructive. None of it's constructive. Well, that's exactly what happened in China when they started the communism and they make sure everybody gets fed and it turned into three years of famine and a bunch of people died mm -hmm. of hunger. <laughs> the original idea is to make sure everyone fed. Um, right. We'll talk about equity. Uh, this is an interesting one. The The new owner of the Miss Universe is a transgender woman. So she, he's from Thailand. She, she, he or she's from Thailand. Um, Anne Harold 
female dominance. And he was, he, of course, he was a biological male, um, taught to the stewardship of the womanly, you know, event. So now, for in the name of equity, does that mean in the future, all these beauty pageants are going to include transgender women? Which I think that's pretty unfair, mm -hmm. because, you know, I hate to say this, but in Asian, the, in some of those transgender women are just better looking than biological female. <laughs> I feel like they need to have their own thing, because if they come in, you know, they got nice legs, and they got, you know, they can really wipe out. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Uh, you know, it's, when I, when I mentioned true. you earlier in the week that Asian, you know, men make the best, you know, uh, trans women. Um, I, I didn't know after I, it was one of those things after I sent the text, I'm like, how's she going to receive that? I don't know if that was a good thing to say. Or not. Well, I mean, I, living in Hong Kong for seven years, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Thailand probably yeah. have some of the most beautiful Yep. beautiful transgender women and yep. now in thailand they refer them as they call lady boy and yes. they are entertainers but you will have a very difficult time separating those mm -hmm. transgender women with actual feet. they're they're gorgeous i mean that's all i have right. to say they are gorgeous um It'll be interesting to see. And they're the type, you know, the whole bathroom thing and everything. If, you know, someone like that who really looks like a woman, they're going to have no problem using, you know, a woman's bathroom. Everybody's, you know, they're a woman. It's fine. It, you know, it's it's when this person is obviously not a woman that creates a, you know, big fuss. My, I mean, well, as a parent, you know my Blair biggest White? Is, hmm? Are you familiar with Blair White? She's what? A, She's a transgender YouTuber. She's conservative. Name's Blair Blair White. Uh, looks female, very attractive. So she wanted to illustrate this one. She went in. She said, "I'm going to go into. I'm a I'm a biological male. I am going to go into these stores and restaurants, and I'm going to use the men's bathroom." <laughs> and they, you know, they they grabbed her. No, you can't go in there. You can't go in there. And you know, she got harassed for trying to go into the men's bathroom. <laughs> She's there. I have no choice. My, my problem with um, some of the trans, the, the bathroom issue is that all came out. I remember my son was eight. That was four. He's 12 now. It was four years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think just the men are going to be pedophiles. Or, and I believe some of the women, older women, too. If I see... A 40-year-old woman walk right after my son go into a men's room, I will have a problem with that. Right. You know, I see any grown adult following kids going to the bathroom. That's right. the reason why the whole thing happened. I was really nervous. Not my son is 12. He's bigger than me. I don't have a problem. Mm -hmm. But if I see a 12-year-old girl go into the bathroom by herself and then follow up with this person who may or may not identify as woman to walk right. in uh, even though if i'm not the mother of that kid i would go in there to make sure that child is safe i mean that's just the mother instinct yeah. you know i think it's more with that it's more about the children if i walk into the bathroom by myself um some guy come in if i feel like i can defend myself and quickly exit that's fine but 
I probably feel very uncomfortable with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And recently, there's a lot of men going to women's locker room or, you know, the... the, uh, the there, fe- there was a story. I, I I don't remember where it was, but it was a, a high school, I think. It was a lot... Oh, no, it was like a gym, a YMCA. Y, right. Y, YWCA. Anyway, the girls locker room there were 16 year old girls in there and there was a biological man who considers himself a woman walking around naked with his penis hanging out so you've got your 16 year old girls in the locker room and there's a full-grown you know man large strong walking around there i mean so i i i just don't see how anybody can argue that's okay but when the girl, one girl in particular, complained, she was told she was in the wrong, that she had to change her attitude because she was being bigoted. Right. So what happened? To <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> so biological female essentially are being oppressed once again. Right. You know, the biological male is competing in female sports. Yeah. Now they're competing in pageant. I mean, come right. on. Well, where where are we going from okay. here? Why? It's- it's this intersectionality thing, right? The uh, trans people are more oppressed than women. So, you know, their their rights supersede yours. So now it doesn't matter if, if you feel oppressed by them because they're more oppressed than you. That's right. So essentially, if this 16-year-old speaking out, of his her parents speak out, then they're bigoted mm-hmm. too. So if anybody who's competing in, you, in these pageants, I mean, these girls right. walk around changing. There's a lot of intimate settings. So mm-hmm. now... It would be interesting to see how many biological female are going to continue to compete in these pageants. Mm-hmm. These are all young girls, you know, I think 18 to in their early 20s. Um, so we'll Did see. Did you watch the speech from the woman who owns the uh, Yes, I have. Mission I watched Eagle? it. So I had a hard time with that. <laughs> I mean, listening to that he's speech. A, yeah, because, because you know, he's she, doing a male voice. Well, yeah, male voice, and it's like in every way, shape, and form, she's saying I'm the same as I'm a woman. I'm in every way, and and I'm sorry, but you're not. I mean, you know, we can call you. Sh- I'll call you she. I'll call you by whatever name you want to call. You know, and and treat you nicely and well. But I'm sorry, you can't say that you're exactly identical to a woman. I mean, you know, you're not. And here, here, here's what they believe. Okay, and they're teaching this in some schools to our kids that biology, sex is one thing, gender is completely separate, and you know they, you've even heard it said that they told kids that the doctor when you're born they guess what your gender is. They don't guess. I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of the you know girls, the females are going to be girls and you know they they may be more masculine some some are more feminine and the same with the boys but i mean they don't guess that's just ridiculous to say that, that it's a guess but they really believe that this is a complete separate thing and then if you choose to be a different gender then it's healthy normal and natural to get surgery or whatever it takes to do that and I believe you were born with a uterus and you'd be able to reproduce a, to right. birth to carry a baby. You're 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 a woman. You're female. Wow. <laughs> there's there's a uh, 
they're working on transplant uterine and uterine and vaginal transplants. They take them out of the, uh, say, a trans a, a, a woman who identifies as a man. Mm-hmm. They remove their uterus and their vagina, and then they can transplant it into a male who identifies as a woman. Now, here, here's my question. Right. You know, there's two prevailing ideas about where, you know, the meaning of life and where people come from. There's evolution and there's creation. So God created us or we evolved through this natural biological process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most people are somewhere in the middle. And, right. You know, that maybe we believe there's an evolution, but it's not the beginning. Anyway, tell me how a natural biological process creates normal a normal situation where people are they they have to have their bodies modified by knives and stitches and you know so they need a medical intervention to live that out how is that natural and i mean there's nothing natural about that it doesn't fit okay Here's, here's why, this, whether this is successful or not, it would be interesting to see if, if a biological male gets a uterus, if they can carry a baby. But this is, this is the best part. The estimated cost for uterus transplant in the United States, mm-hmm. $250,000. Okay. Okay, so it, it's pay out of pocket. And of course, life lifelong, you know, hormone therapies and and another report says it could cost three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So the medical industry, yeah, found another way to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm thinking this is going to be very popular, and they're going to keep pushing this because you have. A down payment of three hundred thousand dollars to do this procedure, whether whether it's going to be successful or not, then, you, like you said, you have a lifetime of mental, psychological, physical care mm-hmm. for a patient. Can you imagine? Multi, you know, if you can create multiples of patient, so right. this is big money behind it. Yeah, that's also a factor. So I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know. And then they say, well, that's hateful. That's bigoted. I mean, I don't want to upset anybody. You know, I don't want I don't think it's okay to make fun of people or, you know, treat them differently or discriminate against. I think that's all wrong. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to say that we have to allow we have to force 16 year old girls to allow full grown naked male body walk around their locker room and they got to figure out how to deal with that. That's just silly. That's it. That's insane. Well, I wanted to, um, let's talk about, I mean, we, we're coming in a, like a quite, we, this has been quite a long show, but I want to yeah. just address this real quick on the um, talk about patient. You know, we, talk, we, we talked about this, this article um, is a CNN contributor. Her name is Leanna Wen. A um, couple of days ago, she did an op-ed on, at Washington Post, talk about, they're overstating the COVID death. Right, which which has been known for a long time. Which has yeah. been known, but it's been shut down two and a half years ago. If you talk about doing the COVID death and, um, you know, people would tell you you're, you're wrong, it's fake news, you get canceled, right? Yeah, you get thrown off social media if you said that a couple years ago. Right. So I want to read... Um, 
I want to read the thing that she said, which is interesting because these are things that um, that was said in quiet or whatever, and then people said, "No, no, no, you're wrong." Um, so here's what she was saying. Number one, she's this is what she said. She said that patients diagnosed with COVID are actually in the hospital for other illness. Right. And so COVID was just incidental. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was a really good like one. They're not being treated for COVID. I mean, you know, they're there for something completely different and they die of whatever that thing is. And it had nothing to do with COVID. Right. So they're then, counted as a COVID death. But now it's counted as COVID death. Mm -hmm. There was also something it says. You know, one thing she didn't mention if uh, you could have, if you have COVID and then you recover, mm -hmm. you could be, um, you know, shedding viral fragments that can't infect anybody, but they'll test positive on a test. Right. So, I mean, these people may not even be sick. <laughs> well, that that's another thing. The, the shedding of the virus at the time was considered um, misinformation. Oh, uh, no, that was for the vaccine. Shedding right. The, you know, and then they, they said, according to the Center of Disease Control protein. Prevention, United States experienced about 400 COVID deaths every day. At that rate, you would nearly be 150,000 deaths a year. These people are, are dying from COVID or with COVID. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things in the article, I can't find it now, is when she said, if you have a gunshot wound, and then if you, if you die a motorcycle accident, if you get tested for COVID, that become your cause of death. Right. Not the gunshot wound, but <laughs> but COVID. <laughs> yeah, so she's catching heat for that, right? I mean, she's catching I heat people... because she was a huge proponent about lockdown. You know, at the mm -hmm. time, she was a huge proponent about vaccine, and mm -hmm. now she turned around. The fact that she turned around and write this op-ed made me feel like something else is following this. Right. Um, She's probably going to be the scapegoat, but then now other things might come out from the CDC. Maybe, mm -hmm. My thinking is may have something to do with a Twitter file dump. It's been dumping oh. and dumping and dumping, okay. and a lot of truth has been revealed, and maybe she tried to get ahead of the Twitter file. Right. Yeah. You know, this is one example. I can't think. There are others of things that were squashed during the pandemic by the media. They were reported that it was fake. It was no, not true. And now that, you know, we're pretty much out of the, you know, pandemic, we are out of it. Mm -hmm. It's okay to talk about these things. Well, again, that's a violating a principle. I mean, free speech is free speech. It doesn't matter if we're in a, in a um, you know, pandemic or not. So, you, you know, they should never be violating people's rights like that, treating them differently because of things they say. I mean, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, there should, there's no double standard. So it's, it's the press's job to report accurately and honestly. It's not right. their job to spin their report based on what's going on in society. Well, we're under pandemic, so we're going to say everything to enforce people to stay home, and we're going to say things aren't true that go against that narrative. So basically they're supporting a narrative. But then now it's like, okay, we can, we can talk about those things. It's okay now. It should never happen like that. Right. And, and when she's, what she's saying is 
the COVID death count turned out to be 30% what's currently reported. So right. whatever reported, people actually died because of COVID is 30% mm -hmm. of what's actually reported, the COVID death. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Center for De Security Policy Senior Analyst Michael Waller stating not long ago, the uh, Washington Post was calling us conspiracy theorists for saying such things. Now they are producing this op-ed. But the thing is, um, you know, this is different from 20, 30 years ago. We have the internet. We have records of what these people are saying. It's only two yeah. and a half years ago. If they're trying to change a narrative and start becoming more responsible in their reporting, it's a little bit too late because you said what you said. It's just right. like they're saying, the, if you took the vaccine, you're not going to spread the disease. You're not going to catch it. That turned out to be completely false. So, right. um, and just really quick note, the CDC, the FDA right now is investigating the new Pfizer booster related to the stroke. And this right. is for people that are 65 years and older. And we're going to talk about that the next show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we can. We could go quick now if you want. <laughs> the bivalent. So yeah, they sent the this signal on one of their, their systems. And um, they were going to investigate. I thought that meant that they were going to get some people and test and, you know, experiment and things like that. But it turns out they were just going to look at more data. And um, so some are some have reported that the uh, FDA, CDC have concluded that there is no connection. OK, mm -hmm. but when I go to the CDC website and I read the statement, they don't say that at all. What they no. say is that, you know. We first we thought there was a big problem. We looked at some of the data. We think, you know, we're not sure if there's a connection. The problem's not as big as we first thought. So, you know, basically they just they're not going to do any more. And uh, but they have not said that there's no connection. They just said right now. Yeah. The and the, the, that, right. And the thing is, just people know this new Pavelonin vaccine has two spike proteins in it instead of right. one is mrna with two spike proteins so it's the omicron spike protein and the original COVID spike protein mm -hmm. and reportedly there are people suffering from stroke some now some people there's no proof of it but we talked about this last time some people think that's why the buffalo bills Dermar hanlon was the reason that he uh failed but we talked about that last time um, um i i just want to say go bills I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> you like the, oh, that's right. Your husband's from Buffalo. My husband's we from Buffalo, family. and it was a nail-biting game. We uh -huh. it, we thought it would be a huge spread, but it's not. You know, I bet you the – I always say Vegas is calling the shot. So, you know, if you put money on Miami, you won because even though they lost, the spread was 13. So, mm -hmm. um, But, yeah, so now Buffalo Bills is going to play the Bengals this Sunday. Right. So go Bills. And they're in Buffalo, right? Ooh, yeah. I, I don't know where it is at, but they were guarantee we'll be watching it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that con that concludes our show. It's been a great, great week. Um, you know, for the people that came out to the party last night, you're invited again to come back next time, and hopefully we can grow that party. Thank you, Sherry, for another great conversation, and thank you, listeners. See you all next week.